0: Welcome in to a new Buff Stampede Radio. Adam Tiger, the publisher of buffstampede.com, joined by fan correspondent Tyler Ziskin. Colorado's 1-0, Tyler. Uh, wanted to get your thoughts. Brian and I shared a lot of our thoughts on
1: a couple analysis videos. What were your overall takeaways from the season opener? I mean, a lot of it was definitely week one craziness, right? Um, I mean, it was a lot of fun. Obviously, what Sam Noir was able to do in his first start really. I mean, he's played a little bit, but pretty much his first extended playing time was a lot of fun. Um, I don't care who you are. I don't think anyone went out there expecting him to play like that. So that was a lot of fun. Obviously, you, it's not CU football if you don't spend at least half the game in an absolute panic. So we <laughs> we got that um, in there as well, but they found a way. I mean, ultimately, you're one know That's all you can do after one week. Uh, there's a lot to grow on for sure. There's a lot of things that, or, you know, a lot of things out there that you would love to build on a lot of solid stuff and a lot of things that definitely need to improve. So, um, yeah, I mean, one to know at the end of the day though. How much did it take away
0: from the joy of victory, not being able to be at Folsom field and experience it in person?
1: Honestly, not a ton for me. Um, the, the pregame activities I miss for sure. I mean, the tailgating is always a blast. Um, but as far as the game day atmosphere, I don't know. I'm usually more frustrated with it at Folsom than anything else. Uh, you know, I hate that it's not full at times. It's not as loud as it should be or used to be in my opinion. So, I mean, I miss Ralphie, but we wouldn't have gotten that this season anyway. So for me, I mean, I was still going bananas just like I would any other time. Um, so it didn't take away that much. And I'm sure part of it is just it's been a been a long time since we got to watch them play. So almost anything would do at this point. It was really eerie pregame. But then once the game started, you're kind of focusing
0: in on the action. It wasn't as bad. What would it have come off as on TV?
1: Uh, I mean, I think people are just used to it now, right? Right. Yeah. It, it's not like it's the first game of the year where it was. It probably did feel eerie for the first few weeks but I think we all know what's going on at this point. So it didn't really register for me, honestly, because it's to be expected. Um, I I, I love the advertisements. We knew they were going to do that, but that's a smart thing that I'm surprised other programs have not done. Um, Yeah. I mean that honestly, it it didn't affect me too much at this point. You mentioned not being able to tailgate. What
0: was the, uh, the, the food situation at, at your house during the game? What's your, favorite, what's
1: your favorite game day snack when you're you're forced to watch from home? My favorite game day snack is definitely Snyder's hard pretzels, which yeah. are difficult to find these days. Uh, but that's I can uh, that's from my dad. That's something that's definitely been passed on from my dad when we were little we used to watch football. He would always have Snyder's hard pretzels and Diet Dr. Pepper. Um, I don't drink soda, so I, I skip the second part, but the hard pretzels have moved on. I've got uh, some Diet Dr. Pepper right here with me.
0: Yep, yeah, little, little a, sweets getting me through this podcast. You're more of a soda guy than me, that's for sure. Just yeah, just diet sodas, but uh, even that's not good for you. I'm always a fan of uh, the home nacho, but I know that you, you, you don't even eat dairy,
1: right? Yeah, yeah, no cheese for me. Unfortunately, I miss it often, but yes, nachos are a thing of the past for your boy here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, we have some notes here, and then we're going to get into the mailbag. Quite a few questions that we'll, we'll get further into the UCLA win. Uh, first up, James Stefano retires from football. Obviously, he's been dealing with injuries throughout much of his college career. Decides to hang it up after another setback there. Still, despite, you know, hanging it up one game into his senior season, dealing with all those injuries, he still ranks eighth all-time on CU scoring chart with 199 points, the fourth most by a kicker. His g- combined kick percentage also ranked third in program history. Obviously, James Stefano, a great dude, a great teammate. Uh, sad to see him have to hang it up. But, you know, I think Evan Price is pretty, pretty good in that role. So I-, I don't know if that's a major concern going forward.
1: Yeah, I mean, we'll have to see. it. The, Evan Price's numbers so far are certainly something you would live with moving forward. I will say he kicks the ball pretty low. Uh, which is not what you would like to see. But, I mean, at the end of the day, he's making 80% of his field goals. No one's going to complain about that. Yeah, I mean, I'm sad for James. You know, it's at first my reaction is, how does a kicker get hurt as much as he does? And then my second reaction was, well, he's 33, and I can barely walk around without pulling a muscle. So, I guess it makes sense. Um uh yeah, I mean it's you know, it's a he was pretty much automatic when he was healthy, which unfortunately was fairly rare in the last couple of years. Uh, you know, good for him. You know, you have to make the choice that's best for you. He's got a family, he's got a kid, he's got other yeah. things he, he uh can worry about. And yeah, I mean you could tell when when he misses a fifty one yarder short or forty eight, whatever it was. It was um, it
0: was a yeah, it was fifty or fifty
1: one. Yeah. Uh, it was you know, online too, which yeah, I know it, it was surprising. Yeah, I mean, it, it, everything he kicks, just, it looks so beautiful. Like everything is perfect most of the time, but you could t- tell the last couple of years, he just wasn't really himself. So I don't really know exactly what the issues are, but they've been piling up on him for sure.
0: Yeah. We certainly wish James the best uh, going forward with him and his family. Like you mentioned, uh, I think his daughter is now about eight months old. So hmm. she's going to, she's going to start, getting more active and moving more. And, and that's, they, they got their hands full right now. William Anglin entered the transfer porthole, obviously uh, a 2020 signee, the last guy in that class that really kind of committed it, And it made sense, you know, because Mel Tucker was kind of personally recruiting him out of Ohio and um, and uh, so we had asked about that in the mailbag. We'll talk more about Will England in that situation, but that leaves the Buffs with just five scholarship seniors at safety on the roster. And one of those was already a converted cornerback. They had been cross training a couple other guys, but you talk about concerns going into the season for me on defense, it was depth at safety. And so losing a scholarship guy, uh, definitely not uh, ideal, but again, Will, Will England probably wasn't going to see a ton of action this year.
1: Yeah, not this year. But, I mean, at this point, you got to be used to it, right? I mean, safety depth becomes an issue five seconds into literally every season, it feels like. So, here we are yet again. Yeah. So, they have two safeties committed in
0: the 2021 class. I think they probably are going to need to find room for another one at this point.
1: Wouldn't you think? Yeah, for sure. And I think, honestly, it should probably be a Juco, someone that can play a little more immediately. Yeah. Trusting Oliver, I mean, he sure looks the part.
0: Uh, He's almost growing out. Out of being a safety he's put so much good weight on uh injury notes Chris Miller and Colby Purcell were doubtful as of Monday uh, we're gonna have a chance to talk to Carl Durrell so maybe we'll have some updates before you listen to this podcast leading up to the Stanford game Katie Katie Nixon might return at receiver um what, what are your concerns there uh, obviously Chris Miller and Colby Purcell if they're not out there there's a really big drop off in terms of right. the second string
1: there yeah I mean I think you said it that that's the biggest concern right I mean I, And for Chris Miller, just in general, I think it's probably at this point hard to rely on him being healthy. Um, He's had so many different ailments. Seems like he hasn't been able to play more than a couple games in a row without missing time. So hard to rely on him moving forward. Hopefully he proves me wrong, obviously, because that's not really something you can control. But, um, you know, again, one of those depth issues in the secondary that you're going to have moving forward. Purcell is huge because I like him a lot. And obviously the drop off there is um significant uh I don't know what the deal is with Austin Johnson but if he's not able to go there's definitely a lot of concerns going into the Stanford game uh there Katie Nixon I think we all know my thoughts there obviously he can be helpful he's you know senior leadership that type of stuff you know but I think we have a ton of weapons at wide receiver and I'm not really sure he changes the game one way or another honestly
0: yeah, I think Purcell is the biggest loss out of that group if, if he's not able to go. Uh, Chris Miller, at least with him out, you could put Mark Perry or Isaiah Lewis at star and then have Rake Straw you know, out there as well. That, those three guys are, are pretty pretty solid. Uh, Stanford has four players impacted by COVID per John Wilner. We've already seen more than 50 games in college football canceled or postponed this season, including two Pac-12 games last week. Cal still having issues. It sounds like pretty much their whole defensive lines in quarantine right now. So the Cal ASU game is in doubt. We knew it was going to be like this coming into the season, just, you know, hoping for the best. Uh, We'll see. We don't know the status of starting quarterback Davis Mills for Stanford. They have three other players that uh, again are unknown at this point. So uh, it sounds like it's still trending towards there being a a Colorado Stanford game. But again, I think every week until players are out there for warmups, you're a little bit nervous.
1: For sure. And I'm not, you know, I assume with the Cal game, was that in Cal Correct. last week? Yeah. So there's been a lot of talk about how the restrictions there are substantial. And unless I'm missing something, Stanford is also right there. So.
0: They're in, a different, a, co-
1: they're in a different county though. Right. But it's both, I mean, all of San Francisco is, I, mean, I don't know the ins and outs. I'm just assuming here that they're fairly similar. I, I could be totally wrong. And maybe I am. Cause obviously the, the, rhetoric around the game certainly seems a lot more positive than the Cal game has been. So obviously there's some changes there, but I was just surprised, I guess, to see that. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, you you better get used to it at this point, especially as things are ramping up around the country. I mean, the cases are kind of going bananas. Uh, Deaths are starting to follow suit as well. I think this is going to become a more and more relevant issue within sports and the world as the next few months roll in. So people better buckle up and get used to it now.
0: I didn't get a chance to watch the Stanford game live, obviously, because they were going pretty much the same time as CU, but watch the the Pac-12 and 60 recap of that. To me, Tyler, that looked like a better Stanford team than the team that came to Folsom Field last November. Uh, obviously, last year they were dealing with a ton of injuries, and they've gotten you know that offensive line group back. Uh, still, though, a far cry from when Stanford was, was at their peak under David Chai. I felt like.
1: For sure. And I would, I would also say that their style of play fits into what Colorado wants to do a lot more as well. I feel a lot more comfortable playing a team like Stanford than I do a UCLA or an Arizona, just because stylistically, typically those latter teams tend to give us a lot of trouble. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They do have good backs in Austin Jones and Nathaniel Pete, but those are more kind of run between the tackles type guys. Uh, Obviously, the the dual threat quarterback is what you always stress about going into a game if you're a CU fan. Um, their defense, I thought, played pretty well. They, they gave up 35 points to Oregon, but those Oregon skill players made some really, really tough catches in the game. And Stanford's young secondary, I thought, was right there most of the time. So I think that defense looked pretty good. Uh, this is a game where CU's front seven on defense just has to live up to the preseason hype, right? If they do that again, to your point, this is a good matchup for the buffs, but uh, you know, the the, the linebackers obviously struggle more in coverage. And I don't think that's going to be a a major issue in this game.
1: Right. For sure. I mean, I definitely would say the front seven was disappointing in the first game of the season, but you know, we'll see how most, some of that could be jitters, you know, some first game mental errors, whatever. Uh, But at the end of the day, yeah. I mean, I think, What they're going up against this week fits a lot more into their strengths. I mean, our defensive line has never been one that's really, you know, blowing up the passer. Um, Not a lot of freak athletes in terms of getting to the quarterback and creating havoc. But, you know, dominating the line of scrimmage and, you know, a little more physicality, our D line and linebackers fit into that a little bit better. So I think it'll be more of a strength on strength situation this week than it was last week.
0: All right, now we're going to jump into the Buff Stampede mailbag. Later on, we'll talk a little men's basketball. The first question comes from Windenbuff. Buff. He asked, how shocked on a scale of 1 to 10 were you that Sam Neuer was absolute fire on Saturday?
1: 47. Yeah, seriously. I mean, (laughs) what would you say? I mean, it was a lot of fun. I haven't it was I was giddy most of the game. There was at one point in the second quarter, I spent five minutes just laughing because everything was going perfectly.
0: (laughs) I I, I would say nine. I I definitely thought Sam Neuer could be serviceable and a lot better than a lot of the the fans expected him to be, obviously. But, yeah, certainly I didn't expect him to be the best quarterback in the entire conference in week one. I know there were a couple games canceled, but still, I mean. Yeah, you look at the grades out there, and he's he had the best best game out of every Pac-12 quarterback that played.
1: Yeah, and I think it's it's not necessarily the st- the stats that he put up; it's how he played. I mean, the one thing that I was concerned about mostly was is he going to be consistent enough to not make mistakes? And really, I can only think of like one obviously bad play that he made in the entire game. I mean, great quarterbacks have more mistakes than that typically. I mean, if he's gonna if he He doesn't have to play perfect, obviously, but if he just avoids mental errors and just downright bad throws, we're going to be just fine. Yeah. And obviously he has to start sliding a little bit. Yeah, that would help. (laughs) Although I feel like our quarterbacks have never slid, and it it somehow works out. So hopefully that isn't changed. Montez, that was not pretty when
0: he – Zepo didn't slide either. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) But then it was weird with Montez. There were some times where he needed like one more yard to move the chain, and then he wouldn't be as aggressive, and it was like kind of confusing. Yeah. You could hear the coaches in his head, I think. (laughs) Cheyenne DeBuff asked, biggest surprise in first start, Montez in 2016
1: versus Oregon or Neuer versus UCLA? Neuer, for sure. I mean, especially at that point, I was very high on Montez. Uh, he, he was phenomenal in that game, but I had really high expectations for him overall in his career. So obviously that was a huge moment and a huge win for the program. There's no doubt about that, but in terms of actual on the field production, definitely I was more surprised by Noyer.
0: Yeah, definitely Neuer for me as well. Ryan Konigsberg and I pretty much fell in love with Montez before he even started his senior year. We saw him at a CU summer camp and so definitely had high expectations for him early on. And then you got to look at it too. They were, You know, that was the fourth game of the season, and so we knew that Montez had a more established supporting cast on offense going into that game. We knew Philip Lindsay, Shea Fields, Bryce Bobo, Devin Ross. Those guys were known commodities. Uh, Mm -hmm. Had maybe some uh, inklings in the preseason that Jarek Broussard was going to be pretty good, but obviously not any uh, idea that he would be quite that good. All right, moving along. The Real Mizzou Buff asked, I assume the series for Tyler Lytle in the first half was planned, But it seemed to stall the momentum and questioned by the announcers. Have you heard whether the plan is to continue giving Lytle a planned series or has Neuer seized the job? And Lytle will return to a backup role. And then along those same lines, we got a question from Buffalo Blood. He asked, I firmly believe that Sam has won the starting quarterback spot till he loses it. But I also think we should only put Tyler in later in the game when we have a good lead going into the fourth quarter. I understand that we do need to develop Tyler for the backup role in case Sam gets injured, but it should not come at the expense of winning games when we have the momentum. My question is, why did we insert Tyler into the game in the second quarter when Sam had such good momentum going? So I'll give the why first and their plan going forward. And then we can debate whether we agree with it or not. So yeah, that was the plan is that he was going, that Tyler Lytle was going to be inserted into the game on that, on that position. And the plan going forward is still to work Tyler Lytle into the game. Tyler, what are your thoughts on that? Do you agree that they should get Tyler
1: Lytle game reps, or do you not like this plan going forward? I mean, before the game started, I wouldn't have been as opposed to it. I mean, listen, I, we all, if you follow me on Twitter, you know my thoughts on this. It was absolutely a ridiculous decision. Um, I will say, though, it could have changed the momentum, but I don't think it actually did. Uh, we didn't score in that possession, but we came back and I think scored two more touchdowns right after that. Because it was 21-7, I think, at that time. And right. it, and, it, and it went up to 35-7 after that. So. Uh, It certainly could have changed the momentum, but ended up not doing so. Now, that doesn't change the fact that it was a ridiculous decision, in my opinion. Uh, You have a quarterback that's absolutely balling. And not only that, Tyler came in right after a turnover. So they've given you another chance to basically put your foot on the gas. And I think we chose not to do that. Now, I get that they want Tyler to play, and they probably promised him he would have a series. But, you know, at some point, you just have to look at that. The game flow just be like this is not the time we could put them away early. Um, you know that's that's just how I see it, and I think that was a big mistake. I, I will say though, it you know it's not exactly Tyler's fault for two reasons. A, there was a holding penalty on the first play, so it was first and twenty. Uh, you know, no guarantee that Sam is gonna move the chains on that situation either. And secondly, the play calling when they put Tyler in was a joke. They did three completely conservative play calls, basically didn't give them a chance to move the chains at all. If you're going to put them in, at least let them throw the ball or, you know, make some plays.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I was very vocal, criticizing the timing of it as well. I am conflicted going forward, and in, in, – I don't necessarily expect Sam Norris to be as good as he was in the opener every
1: game right right I so, mean, yeah I, w- I, w- I mean if he is but if he is <laughs> yeah. if he is you don't take him out right yeah I mean obviously I think the re- reasonable expectation is that he's probably not going to do that every game but still I mean I, I think moving forward he's still probably going to get a shot but I don't guarantee him a specific series if there's a if there's a yeah. situation that makes sense do it
0: and-, and going back to the why they're doing this it's because it was a really close competition. And so, you know, they want to at least give Tyler an opportunity out there. Uh, and this is a different type of season, too, right? I think if this was a full 12-game season, uh, you, you don't mess around quite as much and, and, and try to
1: get cultivate depth as much as you want to this year. For sure. But give him a real shot if you're going to put him in. Because, I mean, they gave him absolutely no shot with those three play calls. Movie buff asked,
0: "What was the biggest reason for the two different defenses we fielded? The first half was great, and then the second half was completely different. Individual blown assignments, bad scheming, getting out coached by Chip Kelly, or UCLA making plays.
1: Well, we definitely didn't didn't get out coached by Chip Kelly. I mean, well, I they made some we'll they made some good halftime
0: adjustments for sure. I mean, yeah,
1: they used they were they the were clearly trying run. to use
0: they were trying to use CU's aggressiveness, you know, against them at times. For sure."
1: For sure. I mean, and I honestly, I think they would have done that all along if they didn't just hand the ball over for no reason, (laughs) three times in the first half. I mean, you can say that we played two different defenses, if we're being honest, and I'm going to be because that's what I do. UCLA handed us the ball more times than not. A lot of those turnovers were pretty unforced, to put it kindly. Um, I would say moving forward, you can't really expect to have four turnovers in the first half and there has to be some better play overall by the defense.
0: There were definitely also some individual blown assignments for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Why O'Buff asked what happens next in the secondary? (laughs) So I don't, obviously they're going to get more experience and you would assume that will make them better. I, I think there was a misnomer that there was more experience in CU secondary, the five players that started against UCLA, UCLA though, and you include Chris Miller out of the star position there, they had an average of 4.2 career starts, yeah. uh, and Rake Straw being the most experienced with 11. You know that's Miller with four starts, Mark Perry with just one last year, Rake Straw with 11, Christian Gonzalez obviously true freshman that was his first start, and Makai Blackman with that was his fifth or he had five starts going in. So they're younger than maybe a lot of people think they are.
1: Yeah, well, and a lot of, I mean, Makai Blackman missed most of last year. So did Chris Miller. Um, so, I mean, it's not like, they, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of momentum with the season as well. Uh, it was not a great performance. I think that it would be realistic to say that. I will say Christian Gonzalez was pretty good until he got hurt. Um, I haven't heard any updates on his injury status, but he was well, definitely he back getting, in the game. Yeah, but he was getting, you know, they were attacking him a little bit more because he was clearly gimpy. If he's back to 100%, I feel a lot better about him moving forward. I was pretty impressed with him overall. Mark Perry did not have a great game, um, but, you know, he has been a guy that always seems to improve as the year goes on, as he gets more comfortable. Darian Rakestraw had what I would call a pretty up-and-down game, disappeared for stretches, but obviously also had two or three of the biggest plays of the game. So, you know, he has that knack for creating havoc, which obviously can fix a lot of mistakes. So that's important for him that
0: is kind of his game is he's yeah. going to make really big impact plays and then have a few brain farts there
1: throughout the game. It's big though for CU that Isaiah Lewis has seemingly made a big jump as a for player. sure. I mean, for sure. And that just, you know, it goes to show what five years of development can do for a player because he has gone, you know, he was, most people would say not athletic enough to play for most of his time at Colorado. And it really just goes to show you that with five years of development and quite simply that if you know what you're supposed to be doing on the field, if you're thinking smart and thinking fast, you can play a lot faster. You don't need to be the fastest guy in the field. If you know what's going to happen before it happens, you're going to be in the right position to make a play.
0: Wyo, Both. Wyo Buff also asked, with Colby Purcell listed as doubtful, what are our prospects against Stanford with Josh Gines at center? Will it for sure be Giants, or do you foresee any position switches on the offensive line? Based off what we know right now, I don't know if Coach Rod has much of a choice, right?
1: I mean, yeah, that's that's what we're hearing. I don't know what the injury is to Austin Johnson. I, it sounded like Carson Lee was out and unavailable as well. So, yeah, I mean, at this point, it's probably going to be Giants.
0: And Roddick, I don't believe, has been taking any center reps. So, obviously, even if Giants starts, you've got to figure out who your backup there is in case something happens. But, yeah, that's personnel-wise, yeah, probably your biggest concern going into this game. Wyo Buff also asked, a lot of receivers getting reps, particularly with Novante Chenault or Katie Nixon, like seeing that Montana Lamonius Craig and Brandon Rice were out there a bit. Maurice Bell is below Nixon on the depth chart, but looked pretty solid. What do you expect to see out of the receivers going forward? We didn't pass a ton, although we didn't really need to. It seemed like Neuer really likes targeting Brady Russell and Stanley was a frequent safety valve as well.
1: For sure. I mean, uh, I didn't actually see Montana out there. I don't know if he was or not. He was out there quite a bit on third down. Okay. Yeah. I do know that they credited him with a catch uh, on UCLA. (laughs) So (laughs) (laughs) uh, I remember that from the game. Um, Yeah. Brendan Rice, I noticed, obviously he had a catch as well. Mm -hmm. Um, That's great that both of them got in there. Brendan Rice um, is a guy that I think they're going to work in more and more over time. Uh, I like his production and his physicality. I think he's someone they'll continue to use. Uh, Maurice Bell, to me, I think the most exciting thing about him during that game is he's going to break a kicker turn this year hundred percent. I yeah. mean, he, you can tell he is explosive on the kick return game. He was c- close a couple times and I think they can use him a little bit more to break the top off the of defenses. He is a, he can, he can get up and go, man. He, he's a fast player. So continue to use him as well. Uh, I agree with the last part of the comment. Uh, Brady Russell and Dimitri Stanley are definitely the two guys that appear to have the best relationship with Neuer right now. Stanley is a guy that I've talked about pretty much all offseason as someone who was probably going to see a lot of touches this year. And, you know, besides the huge drop on fourth down, he was huge in this game. I thought a lot of and that that, lot of, that wasn't the easiest catch to make either. No, I mean, yeah, he, a ball that he would tell you you should probably catch. But, you know, it could have been better thrown for sure. But um, those two guys, Definitely had really big games. I don't know. You should find this out. I don't know when the last time a tight end led CU in receiving yards was, but I'm sure it's been a while. Probably back to Ryard gear, I would think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and maybe Nick Casa, He had a couple big games. That's true. Yeah. And hopefully
0: that that catch in the second half gets Arius going because obviously he had a couple drops. And I think he's just kind of in his head because he's obviously got the ability to be a big-time receiver. Yeah, and that was – it probably arguably the biggest play of the game. So that was nice to see that happen for him. Well, if Katie Nixon is back and Vontae Chenault's in the mix, you're probably not going to see those two freshmen out there a ton, right? Because it's still receiver is a kind of a rhythm position. You don't Mm want to have nine guys rotating in there. They're not going to be able to get in the rhythm of a game.
1: Yeah. I I mean, I, I would assume that those are the two guys that see less time. I was expecting Vontae to get a good amount of touches this year. We don't know yet if that's really where he sits on the depth chart or not. Obviously, Katie is going to come back and play a ton, I would assume. Buffs2J asked,
0: what the heck with Will England's decision to jump ship? Heck, huh? What the heck? Family show. <laughs> Mark Perry's tweet to me yesterday seemed to indicate there's something going on in England's yeah. life, and we're not – Privy to what's going on there. So I just, you you wish him well in the future. He got hosed by Mel Tucker, who personally recruited him to Boulder and then leaves a week later.
1: Right. I mean, listen, I I don't see how you could possibly be shocked by this. Uh, He he definitely was having second thoughts about coming here to begin with. I'm not sure if Mel Tucker promised him playing time. Obviously, it's a position where there's not a ton of depth. I'm a little surprised given that he probably would have played this week, right? With, With Chris Miller out. Um, So the timing is a little bit surprising, but, you know, he didn't play in week one. Maybe he was expecting to. And I think ultimately he was never really fully bought in. So not a hugely surprising decision for
0: me. Cheyenne DeBuff asked, what was the player's experience during the bubble they lived in during preseason camp? Do you think Utah and Cal's games getting canceled has altered how CU or the Pac-12 will manage the season? Well, Cal was the the county, right? That wasn't necessarily Pac-12. 12 protocol that canceled
1: that game i mean listen again i'm not fully well versed in this but yes my understanding was more that was a local issue with rules and regulations than the pac-12 saying that they didn't have enough guys to go but utah on the other hand it does look like just didn't have enough healthy players that weren't in quarantine which is a little more concerning obviously especially since one of their players has been hospitalized for this that's that's a more concerning issue overall.
0: I heard a few rumblings that the uh, bubble situation was less than ideal for CU's players. They, they were missing their own bed during that, but props to them for, you know, sticking through it and, and CU's not announcing positive tests. So we don't know what's happened there, but uh, you know, they were able to suit up and uh, you know, it was injured guys that weren't out there. So clearly what 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 they're doing right now is working for them. And uh yeah, I think that can't hurt from a chemistry standpoint
1: too, right? You know, being in that situation. Well, I mean, it could go both ways. (laughs) You can get sick of each other. You can get sick of each other pretty quick for sure. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely a good way to get to know your teammates. Nyla
0: 1671 asked any updates on Antonio Alfano's medical situation. So I'm sure, I hope that he's seen this, uh, that, that Antonio Alfano has been dealing with seizures as a result of epilepsy. Uh, we're, we'll provide updates on Alfano when there's something to report there, but I, I don't know, Tyler, I think it's time to focus on CU's players that are competing in 2020. And you certainly, you know, best wishes to Alfano with his health and hopefully he can get a handle on that. That's more important than football at this point for him.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, I think at this point, it's pretty clear that um, he's not going to play this year. That's, yeah, that's how yeah. I see it. So um, I, I would expect maybe that that'll be a thing moving forward, but, you know, we'll see if he gets healthy, if they can figure out exactly what it is that's going on. And I would I would expect to see him in a different year than twenty twenty. Go buffs one asked, are any
0: of the twenty twenty-one verbal commits classified as athletes projected to play corner? How is that position being addressed? So the yeah, there's three commits listed as an athlete, and two of them Nico Reed and Kalen Moore, they project as cornerbacks. Ty Robinson is the other. He's projected to play receiver. And Moore could potentially be one of those crossover type DBs. He he's got enough size he could play safety too. And then you get Tyler, you got to keep in mind that none of the scholarship corners on CU's roster are seniors. Eligibility doesn't count this year. So that's depth at cornerback is the least of my concerns going forward. For sure. I corner is not nearly as big of a concern for me. Safety, though. Yeah. Again, like yeah. I think they need to take another guy in this class. Yeah. Movie buff asked rapid fire rank the Harry
1: Potter movies from worst to first. You a Harry Potter fan? I mean, I watched them all. OK, same here. I, yeah. I don't have a ranking, really. <laughs> I, mean, like, I, I got to be honest, it's been probably seven or eight years since I watched any of them. They kinda of melt together in my mind yeah, a little bit. Exactly. I couldn't tell you which one was which. I liked them all though. The books are great as well. So I'm not a Harry Potter hater by any stretch, but I don't remember which movies are what.
0: So I, I don't really like many superhero movies and in, in a lot of these series. Like I wasn't really big into Lord of the Rings, but I liked Harry Potter better than than most in the first one just kind of got me into it so I, I have fond memories of that one i thought the last movie was really well done um our oldest and my wife were reading the second book and they said that was kind of dragging on a little bit so and i, I kind of remember the second one maybe not being my favorite which one was that was that chamber of uh, secrets yeah that sounds right yeah okay sure so. totally but no i if i see it all on the ones, my...
1: all the ones with hagrid are the best
0: <laughs> yes yep all right, let's talk a little men's basketball. It seems like that's kind of getting lost in the shuffle even more than usual just because uh, we've been waiting
1: on this football season so long. Yeah, I mean, well, <laughs> that's to be expected, I guess. I, I mean, it's they still don't even have this schedule finalized yet, so it's hard right, to get too right. excited about what exactly is going on. Um, yeah, I mean, we don't know. Do we know how many games they're playing? Have they made a final decision on that? They have think, 20, not, 20 conference games. Yeah, so I know yeah. that but I'm not sure if they've even decided how many other games they're playing. So
0: I'm sure they have a pretty good idea, but yeah, until it's released, um, but yeah, it's coming up. What What is that? Two weeks from now is their first
1: mm-hmm. game. Yeah. Two weeks. Uh, yeah. It's, I mean, I'm loving all the preseason lack of hype they're getting. Yeah. that's going to piss some people off.
0: What's funny though is, you know, Tad Boyle, he's not one to hype up a team unless they deserve it. Nope. His comments this preseason, make it hard not to get excited about this team's potential, despite the, you know, the fact that people outside of Boulder aren't really talking about this team.
1: Yeah, that, I mean, I don't know if he is directing it specifically to this year. We'll, we'll have to see. But I, I mean, I'm 100% confident that he feels moving forward this program is in excellent shape. They're going to miss Tyler. I mean, that's an important part of what a tad-boiled team does. Defensively, I can't imagine they're going to be anywhere near as good as last year. But I think outside of that, this team has a chance to be extremely good.
0: McKinley Wright was banged up for a little bit, but according to what Tad Boyle said, not a major concern there. Uh, assuming Wright, Keyshawn Bartholomew, and Deshaun Schwartz all start, what do you think the rest of the, the starting lineup is going to look like? Is that a safe assumption? Those three guys?
1: I would, say, for me personally, yes. I would say I would. I think the starting five is a safe safe assumption, but I'm sure Tad will prove me wrong. Um, I think Jair Horn and Evan Batty are the likely other two. Okay, but maybe it uh, depends on matchups. If you're going
0: against a, a big center, maybe Walton gets the call in that game?
1: I don't think so. Honestly, no, okay. I, re- I really don't. I, I like Evan. I mean, we'll see. Obviously, foul trouble has been a consistent issue for him, but I think they know they can bring in Dallas as soon as they need to, and they're going to go with their horses.
0: Elijah Parquet, Maddox Daniels, Alex Strotting, expected to have a role as well. Strotting, I think it'll probably uh, be pretty limited, but that that makes for kind of a, a rotation for a college basketball team there, which leads me to ask you, Tyler, What do you have any expectations for this freshman class there? They've been lauded, but yet you've got guys that have been in this program for for quite a bit that know the system better than those freshmen do.
1: Yeah, I'll be really surprised if Dom Clifford doesn't have an immediate role as well. Um, a guy that I loved coming out of high school, I, I have huge expectations for him. And it seemed like a lot of people maybe had less or so expectations, but obviously right away, as soon as you, hear about the freshman class on campus. He's the guy that Tad Boyle and the rest of the team has been talking about. So I expect him to have the most immediate impact. We'll see on the other guys um, how how they step in. I I think there's definitely a role for Luke O'Brien if he can prove that he can shoot the ball consistently because the team definitely needs more shooting.
0: Jabari Walker, I've heard really good things about him. I think he's going to have uh, you know, really good career. But again, I just don't think it's going to necessarily be this year.
1: Yeah. I mean, again, there's obviously an, there's a huge role, the Tyler Bay role to fill on this team that is unreasonable for him to fill, or at least the expectation should not be that he can walk in and fill that role, at least not immediately. But if you can do any of those things or show some flashes that potentially he could be on that level, that would be huge.
0: Yeah. And right before we started recording this, we're recording this on Wednesday morning, all four of their 2021 commits officially signed. So a class that uh, is ranked in the top 20, 24 uh, seven sports has them as the number three class in the pac 12. Uh, I know you guys, you will uh, in, in Tyler Murray did a great breakdown. You went through each of those guys individually
1: on the free ball pod, right? Yep, exactly. Did, did uh, what we call flash pods, where we break down each of those guys. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, it that class is extra special. I mean, the ranking for Lawson Lovering on ESPN is something that we don't need to get into here, but let's just say it's a joke and it shows how that recruiting service does their stuff. Um, but for him to be the ninety, I think we're, he's 95th or something in the composite right now on 247, despite being in the top 50 at 247, and I think just outside the top 50 on rivals, tells you how far – ESPN has him ranked down the list and uh, they're going to regret that one. Let me just put it that way. There's so many
0: things every year that happen that reminds you that the composite just needs to go away. You know, if you're 24 seven sports rely on your own guys. uh, It made sense when there was scout.com, you know, and even then I question why ESPN to your point was even involved, but uh, you're, you're paying these analysts to do their job, you know, highlight their rankings, not this composite
1: right i mean yeah i mean i don't necessarily have an issue with keeping the composite but the the ranking what people see first what catches their eye first should definitely be your opinion right this this site's opinion
0: yeah what's coming up on uh, your podcast the and pod that we just mentioned
1: um yeah so it'll be a preview for the stanford game kind of like it always is we'll we'll have a little bit of uh lighthearted topics i don't think we've fully decided what it's going to be yet this week but it'll be something stupid like it always (laughs) is (laughs) try to try to entertain the people um the basketball stuff is coming up quick too we're probably maybe a week and a half away from uh getting something done with that as well and we'll have some some of your favorites on i'm sure ben burrows will be back on to talk about see you hoops with us which for those of you who follow ben know that's always entertaining so definitely yeah i'll be looking forward to that
0: yeah, make sure you subscribe to the Free Balling Pod. We also introduced a new post game podcast on BuffStampede.com with Vinay Simlot and Chase Howell, uh, and Jake Shapiro. He's going to be doing a hoops pod. So all the, all the podcasts coming your way. Make sure you subscribe, nice. rate, review it because that helps get it in front of
1: more people. Any parting thoughts here,
0: Tyler? No,
1: oh, man, it's just you know I'm a lot. We'll see what the Buffs bring this week. If they were able to find a way to go to two and zero. Oh. That would be pretty fun. Uh, that, uh, they would, I think, for the third year in a row, have gone over their win total less than halfway into the year, which is pretty good. Yeah.
0: All right, Tyler. Thanks for joining us on this show, and thanks to all of you for tuning in. Oh, boss.